Hello, I'm Chris Neeland, host of a new podcast, Cult Brand Secrets, brought to you by The Gathering and Evergreen Podcasts. The Gathering is a Forbes top-rated business summit and a masterclass for brand and business leaders looking to reap the benefits of cult-like adoration. Each year, The Gathering brings together disruptors from around the globe to learn from and to celebrate the leaders behind iconic brands like Marvel, Skittles, Beats by Dre, Yeti, and the Dallas Cowboys. For the first time ever, this podcast will give you access to some of the exclusive business leader learnings from the gathering's past events. Jason makes a joke early in his presentation that Hot Wheels produces 16.5 cars per second, making them the biggest auto manufacturer in the world by a very far margin. You know, what I remember most from my on-site visit to Hot Wheels headquarters is just how seriously they treat their toy cars. Their designers and engineers and marketers all have this sense of authenticity and a passion for cars. It's just super impressive. They know they're making toys for kids, but they bring a mastery to their craft that has endeared them to old and young alike. And as Jason's gonna share, some of the most interesting things happening with their brand are geared towards extreme auto enthusiasts. I played a lot with Hot Wheels as a kid, and raising three boys meant that we had a lot of Hot Wheels around the house for a very long time. But as a marketer, Hot Wheels got on my radar in 2013 when someone forwarded me a Double Loop Dare documentary on YouTube. And for the first time, I saw that Hot Wheels was bringing their toy cars and even their iconic orange track to real life. From that minute on, I was hooked and I've been following them closely ever since. I just couldn't be happier with the way that Jason tells their tale. From celebrating their 50th anniversary back in 2018, to celebrating becoming the number one selling toy in the world, to sharing how they've extended their brand into live events, extreme collectibles, online videos, video games, and creating this entire play ecosystem for kids and adults. All of it is just so inspiring. So have a listen and enjoy. So I am uh, going to talk to you about Hot Wheels. So I have to tell you, like my, um, from my years of muscle memory at Mattel and these types of presentations, it's usually all about selling, right? And you're usually selling in internally to your sales force, where uh, you're selling to the Walmart and the Target and the Amazon buyer. But uh, I built this a little bit differently, and I'm going to try to tell you the Hot Wheels story. And really, the story of uh, when I joined Hot Wheels in 2015, uh, the efforts that we undertook, how we looked at the brands, and how we kind of came up with a new brand foundation and new engagement strategies in order to re reignite growth in the brand. So, you know, I'm going to tell you the story from my perspective. Of course, it was a group effort, and we'll get into that uh, a little bit more. But uh, Chris told me when I do the presentation, don't assume that everyone knows something about your brand. So I'm just going to run through some fun stats or whatever. But before I do that, just to get a sense of the room, I want to know how many of you, when you were kids, owned a Hot Wheels? Okay, almost everyone. How many of you still have Hot Wheels in your house or your apartment right now? 
All right, so a lot of people, a lot of people. And that's interesting because that's gonna play into a little bit about what's the strength of the brand, but also what were some of the challenges that we had to undertake. So uh, I'm gonna start off with something that you thought you probably weren't gonna see at the cult gathering, which is a snippet from a commercial that aired before many of you in this room were born. These are the fast ones. Mattel's new Hot Wheels. Race a car that's got Hot Wheels against one that doesn't. And look what happens. So there's more clips, so I'm just going to leave it there. Can you, I think, how awesome was it? Like, can you imagine what the brief was in 1968? Say our products better than the other products. <laughs> um, but that's how we launched. Uh, since then, there's been over 8 billion uh, Hot Wheels cars uh, made. A fun stat we like to share is that we make 16.5 cars per second. Um, so we are the biggest auto manufacturer in the world <laughs> by a very far margin. We're also the biggest tire manufacturer in the world uh, from a very large margin. And this is actually a cool stat that most people don't know. We are the number one selling toy uh, in the world uh, that's measured in units. It varies by dollars, but that's a really cool thing that we take a lot of pride in. The other thing that's interesting about the Hot Wheels brand is it's a very global brand. So uh, I know, I'm assuming most people here are from the US and Canada and some other countries. Uh, so we're the number one vehicle brand in the US. We have been forever, as far as I know. Uh, we have universal awareness. But when you look up here, a couple of interesting things. The brand's actually relatively bigger in Latin America than it is in the US. So it's the number two toy brand in Mexico, uh, only behind Barbie. It's the number one toy brand throughout South America. And then you can see around the rest of the world, it's huge in Australia. Australia really likes uh, motorsports. Um, it's big in Europe, although there's a lot more local competition in Europe. And it's really a brand that when Mattel gets into new markets is kind of the tip of the spear uh, because you know our cars have a really good price point. So we've been growing tremendously in markets like uh, China and Russia. Um, so what's interesting is when you step back and look at it, uh, I moved over onto Hot Wheels uh, as the VP of marketing in 2015, and I was challenged by the president at the time to figure out how to grow the brand, you know, with my colleagues. And when you looked at it, we had, you know, at that point, five generations, or we should say five decades of kids who had grown up with Hot Wheels. But at the same time, we had sluggish growth. All of our growth was really coming from distribution gains in those new markets that we were getting into. We were still number one in share in the vehicle category, but we were, really weren't growing and we weren't growing fast. And I think part of the reason why is we had a lot of potential for multi-generational appeal, but we weren't really delivering against it because we were kind of showing up as a toy brand, a toy brand for little kids to all of the demos. And what's interesting is when we did some research uh, about Hot Wheels, we found that it was something like 47% of people love Hot Wheels, 47% of people like Hot Wheels, and like the other, what is that, 90, so the, the other 6% of people were like, yeah, Hot Wheels is fine. And there was like no negative sentiment. And the people who did it were like, we've almost never seen a brand that has no negative sentiment. So that was another interesting thing to take into our uh, consideration set. So, but we really weren't showing up in a compelling way for uh, adult collectors or for families or for boys who were teens who didn't want to kind of play with the traditional cars. The other thing that I thought uh, was a big opportunity was parents. So when uh, you would talk to moms, moms would say, yeah, Hot Wheel cars are great, right? They're a great value. They're really high quality. You know, the tracks they would kind of tolerate. Uh, their kids like them. They're hard to put away. They're hard to put back together, you know, so you'd have all that. I see some moms in the audience nodding their heads. 
so that was something that we knew we needed to work on. Um, but there wasn't really a, a value behind the brand to moms. You know, it was it was it was a thing, and uh, you know there was the joy of your kid being happy when you gave it to him as a present, and that was great. And there was the, the time that your kid would be occupied when you were trying to get something else done in the house, and that was great. But they didn't see any greater value or benefit in Hot Wheels Play, so we saw that as an opportunity. Uh, and then the other thing that I was really concerned about was what we call Generation Alpha. So um, we were coming up, 2018 was our 50-year anniversary. So we knew we were coming up towards being a 50-year-old brand. Uh, and uh, we knew that the new generation of kids that were coming up were completely different than before for all the things that everyone in this room knows. But really, you know, being the digital natives, having all of those screens. Uh, and I was concerned about whether we were positioned to be a leading brand for the next 50 years in the same way that we were from when we were launched. Uh, and I had the benefit of, I have two boys and they were like, uh, five and eight at the time. So I, by the way, I recommend highly, if you could have kids or people in your house that are your exact target demo, it really, it really helps with your marketing strategies. But, um, you know, I was just looking at my kids and I saw that if I let them and I didn't like proactively parent them, they would have played with my iPhone all day long. Uh, and they would have watched YouTube on the computer all day long. And I was like, all right, we're a great brand. We have that awareness. We have that distribution. But I'm a little worried about whether we're well positioned to be a leading brand for the next 50 years. And then in addition to that, when I kind of really stepped back and looked at it broadly, I, we didn't want to compete just in the vehicle aisle. And really, to be a brand that was going to uh, drive growth globally, we also didn't really want to compete in just the toy aisle. We kind of needed to compete for kids and people's interest in an entertainment landscape. And what you see here, this is an old slide from like our insights group. But when I looked at this, I thought of a couple of things that we really need to think about. One was when you think of TVs and movies, we partner, you know, we in license from all the big entertainment studios. But for a brand like Hot Wheels, which Mattel created, we kind of compete with them, right? And I was like, okay, how can we compete with the marketing budgets that goes behind an Avengers movie when Disney puts that out, right? Uh, Hot Wheels is a big brand, but I don't have marketing budgets that are that large, right? How do you compete with Viacom and Nickelodeon uh, owning SpongeBob and being a vertically integrated media company where they have their own distribution for all their content? We can make content, but then we had to find other people who would distribute that content for us, right? Um, and then, you know, games, which I already mentioned. Um, so kind of in summary, what I would say is here's how we assessed it. You know, we had uh, unbelievable awareness, anywhere from 98 to 100%, right, universal around the world. We had great distribution. Um, we probably get more out-of-aisle distribution at Walmart in the U.S. Than, than probably any other product in any category, I would argue. But we were perceived as being just a toy brand. When we would go and talk to partners that we needed to invest in the brand to kind of build more cultural noise, they kind of perceived us as maybe just a little boy brand. Uh, and I was concerned about where we were with Generation Alpha. So we said, all right, so we got to figure out how we come up with the new brand foundation that's a broad enough umbrella that um, it'll be authentic to what people love about Hot Wheels, but it'll also allow us to show up and do compelling engagement strategies, whether it's for older boys or girls, for teenagers, for adults, for adult collectors. And the other thing that we needed to do was we needed to have more purpose and values behind the brand so that when mom and dad saw their kid interacting and playing with Hot Wheels toys, they actually thought that uh, they were getting something out of it, you know, that there was an emotional connection and they thought that there was a developmental benefit. So we did, uh, we really focused on our purpose and we endeavored to create a, a new brand foundation. 
And when we were trying to figure this out, we said, well, let's go back to our origin story. You know, Hot Wheels was launched in 1968, and it was an immediate success, right? And from that immediate success, it just grew from there. And we said, well, what could we learn from our origin story? Like, why did that happen? And when we started digging into it, we found that we actually have a really cool origin story. And what we did was we kind of turned it into a story, and we kind of created our own myth around it. And then we told that story over and over internally to our, our own audience, to the global people who work on the brand, as well as to our key external partners. So I'm going to give you the quick version of it, which is it all started in a garage in Southern California in 1946. That's when Mattel was founded. So we like to say in some ways we were the original garage startup in California, right? Right after World War II, a lot of optimism in this country. The rest of the world was in shambles. And these people got together and they started uh, Mattel, which went on to become the largest toy company in the world. And the founders of our company were Ruth and Elliot Handler. And you could see uh, Ruth Handler over here. Ruth uh, ran business, which was also very, the, the business side, which was also very cool and progressive for back then. And Elliot ran the design and engineering side. And in uh, 1958, uh, Ruth invented Barbie. Right, and Barbie, of course, went on to be the most iconic uh, girls' brand. And what I like to think in the story that we told was that there was, you know, a little bit of uh, of a rivalry there, right? And Elliot was like, "Well, my wife created the coolest thing in the world for girls. I got to do the same thing for boys, right?" And what he dreamed of was a better toy car for boys. And we saw at the time that that kind of the leading. Um, toy car for boys was Matchbox, which we owned as well. So I could talk about it this way. Um, and uh, Matchbox was great, but they weren't really the cool. They were kind of realistic and they didn't really perform well. They didn't roll that well. And so what Elliot did was he really challenged convention, right? And he went outside the box and he literally hired a rocket scientist because in uh, Southern California, right by LA is actually kind of the aerospace hub. And he hired a rocket scientist and he hired a real car designer from GM in Detroit. And he brought him into headquarters in Mattel and he said, you guys get together and figure out how to make me a better toy car. Uh, and from that competitive spirit, Hot Wheels was born. And the story goes that when they had their first, uh, their first prototype ready, they showed it to Elliot, they rolled it across the table, it rolled super fast and it looked awesome because it was inspired by what was going on in car culture in Southern California in the late 60s. And he said, wow, those are some Hot Wheels. And that's, uh, that's how Hot Wheels was born. So um, for 50 years, Hot Wheels has challenged performance and design. And that's what we really said. We're, we're cars that perform better and we're cars that look better. And we really thought we had the uh, opportunity to elevate uh, design in terms of taking more credit for all the designers and the great work they do, but also talking about our brand more as a kind of creative force in culture. Uh, and so from lots of work, uh, we came up with the one idea, and the one idea that we wanted to build off of was challenge. Um, and it wasn't easy to get to this one idea. We actually hired an agency in uh, 2015. We worked with that agency for six months, uh, and then we had to let them go, and then we hired another agency, uh, and then we worked with another agency, and it took us about a year with that other agency to get to this. And there was a lot of debate about the words and the meaning, and is it challenge, is it competition, and all these other things. But we really found that challenge was right for a couple of reasons. It's not just about the destination. It's inherent to the Hot Wheels play pattern. Because whatever we did for our positioning, we really wanted to make sure that it was authentic to how you actually experience the brand. 
And if you think of one of the things that makes Hot Wheels so great and why it's one of the leading toy brands in the world is because it's, it's real. Like most other toys, you know, you think of action figures, which I worked in, and action figures is all about your imagination, right? And you're playing with a figure and the little boy or girl are kind of imagining they're the hero and they're playing out battles. What's so cool about Hot Wheels is it's in the real world and it's subject to real physics. And the play in Hot Wheels is, as you describe it here, to try, fail, try again, success. And we thought that was a really powerful thing that I'll explain why in a second. We thought that that would really resonate with millennial moms because we saw and we've all probably experienced and we know kind of the trophy generation, how uh, kids now get, uh, you know, you get a trophy if you were in eighth place uh, back when I was a kid, like you only got a trophy if you won. Um, and there's a lot of concerns about like, are kids building grit? You know, are they, are they building the gumption to deal with failure and to work towards that success? So we thought that there was something that uh, moms would like there. And it really aligned with the growth mindset. Uh, and the growth mindset was something that we really focused on. And what was really cool for me about this at the time was my kid who was in elementary school, um, they were talking about the growth mindset in elementary school as well. So then I knew that it would really resonate. And so we came up with the new brand purpose, which was Hot Wheels ignites and nurtures the challenger spirit that lives within every kid. And that was kind of like our purpose and our mantra for what we were trying to do. And then the next thing that we did once we had that was we wanted to come up with a really tight uh, brand identity and brand foundation. And the way to do that at Mattel, a large company global around the world, was you have to come up with a really strong, uh, what we call a brand guide that kind of laid out all of the components of how we wanted to bring our brand to life. Um, so I'm going to click through these quickly because it's, it's less important, like what we actually did and more of kind of the template of it. But we had our brand campaign platform of challenge accepted what we wanted that to mean. And we set up sequences of meetings internally and with all of our offices all around the world to kind of disseminate this information, to sell it. So we really got buy-in from everyone. So everyone believed it. Uh, next, we came up with a brand character, which is uh, you know, a framework for how we want to behave and how we want people to perceive the brand. This one was really important from a leadership standpoint. This was important that we as the leaders of the brands had to model this behavior. And there was an instance where my team wanted to do a marketing initiative that they had worked on for a little bit. I didn't really think the ROI was there and I, I wasn't quite sure about it, but I moved ahead and did it because they were kind of showing this brand character of being the daredevil creator. And I thought it was more important to kind of support that in the culture of how we behaved and then necessarily to assess the ROI of that marketing investment. Uh, the next one was the brand DNA. This was really important because we're a company that makes products and this was the simplest thing for everyone to remember. And the thing that most people took away from all of our brand foundation work was competition, experimentation, and creativity. And that was also a guideline for how we wanted to make our product line, our gaming, all of our experiences better. And we said, it doesn't have to be all three things. You could dial them up or down, but you have to always have at least one or two of them in everything that we do. And then we had the tone of voice, what it is and isn't. This is something that we found worked for us. A design metaphor of how we were going to show up, like what did we want to look like? This was really important in going out to like the buyers and it really helped us change our gallery and the feeling around the brand. Uh, and then design attributes, like what do we want to look like? And the design attributes were really important because um, you can't control every asset that's created around your brand. 
but it's crucial when you're trying to do a new brand foundation that you have really strong consistency. So you're always showing up in the same way to consumers. So this was the way that we did that. And that way we made sure that if the team in Italy and the team in Mexico was making some assets that we weren't going to be involved in, it would be close to the mark and consistent. Um, so once we had that brand foundation, we then said, okay, how are we going to drive different forms of engagement and change how people experience the brand? Uh, so the first thing that we started with was our product line. I'm not going to go too deep into this because I'm not sure how many people in the audience actually are kind of managing large product lines and a lot of product development. But this was crucial because this is how people experience uh, the Hot Wheels brand. And we kind of came up with a system of play strategy, which would put more value into buying into the Hot Wheels brands for moms so that they knew that all of the toys work together. So if you bought a toy uh, for Easter and then you bought another one for Christmas, you knew that they would connect. That was actually a really big thing that we really had to drive a lot of discipline uh, around for the design and engineering teams. The other thing that we did was we employed a life cycle strategy. Um, and I think this was interesting too, and, or you know, to kind of use for, for people who are more digital marketers, you know, lifetime value. And we knew that that concept made sense, but honestly for Mattel, 99.9% .9 of our sales goes through third-party retail where we don't have the final conversion data, right? So I can't really do a lifetime value calculation. Um, yet we knew that it was the right thing to do. So we just did it anyway with the product line using the thought process and our sales have gone up since then. So we can't really measure it, but we think, you know, we think that it worked because it's just the right thing to do uh, for consumers. The other thing that we did was we made sure that we really reinforced the challenge accepted uh, brand campaign and, and uh, communication and everything that we did. The next thing that we did was YouTube, right? So I said how we saw that and we were worried about our resonance for the next 50 brands. Uh, and when I joined the brand, we had a large chunk of money that was designated towards kind of creating a uh, long form animated movie um, that frankly, we didn't really have good distribution on. And I wasn't sure that we were gonna be able to get good distribution. And we said within a week of, of, of joining the brand, we took all of that money, we stopped that project, and we said we're putting all of that money into YouTube, put half of it into production, put the other half into paid media, and let's just go. And so we did that. What we did was we hired in someone from the uh, outside to join the brand marketing team who had worked on like the Call of Duty uh, YouTube page. So I made sure that we had some expertise on the brand side because there was no one on my entire team, maybe it was like 30 people at that time who had ever successfully done a YouTube initiative. And, uh, and then we just started experimenting. So we worked with our in-house team that were kind of Emmy award-winning producers who were used to doing animated TV shows and series. And kind of we learned over time that wasn't the right approach because the content that they were making wasn't right for the platform. It was too expensive. It wasn't really what kids were looking for on YouTube. So we experimented with lots of different agencies uh, creatively. We experimented with lots of different agencies kind of in terms of channel management and paid media. And then we found one that worked. Uh, we we uh, convinced the company to give us more money to kind of double down on it. Uh, and it's been great. So these stats are actually outdated. We're now up to, when we started uh, the YouTube initiative, I think we were at 450,000 subscriber. Uh, we're now at 2.4 million subscribers. Um, we have a full year content calendar that we plan out and program and a whole optimization strategy. So the next thing was I showed you a lot of stuff that we did for the younger kids was I said, okay, how do we, how are we going to be more relevant for a wider audience, whether that's teenagers or adults? And we thought gaming was really the place to do that. 
the strategy that uh, we had been employing in gaming was kind of um, out licensing the brand to it ever pay us the highest minimum guarantee because um, that was a way to generate revenue for the company. But then what was happening was the games weren't very good. We were getting, you know, 40 or 50 Metacritics and it wasn't doing anything to elevate the brand. So we stepped back, we started from scratch again, and we said, let's come up with a three-year plan for how we're going to demonstrate that Hot Wheels is relevant in the gaming space, which will then build up to um, kind of uh, better products. And what we said was, when we had kind of studied the brand, we said, well, Hot Wheels is one of the coolest vehicle brands out there. Everyone loves Hot Wheels. We just got to figure out how to show up in all of the other vehicle, uh, all the other vehicle games that people are already playing. Because Hot Wheels is kind of uniquely, I don't know what the right word, almost ubiquitous. Like we in-license every auto manufacturer. We in-license every entertainment property. So it kind of has this like unique space. So we went out to, you know, we went out to all of these different uh, mobile and console games and uh, started convincing them that they should uh, put Hot Wheels in the game. And at first we kind of had that challenge that I alluded to up front that you'd go and you'd talk to Forza or you'd uh, talk to racing rivals or Need for Speed, they'd be like, yeah, we loved Hot Wheels when we were five, but like our people or our audience, do they want Hot Wheels in the game? And we said, yeah, yeah, just trust us. Just make sure that Hot Wheels shows up in the quality graphics and in the gameplay that people like and we think people will love it. And so we had to do, we started off with small deals where it was just like uh, a Hot Wheels livery, like you could do a deco on an existing car. And then in year two, we had Hot Wheels original cars. And then by year three, it got bigger. And what they found over and over again, that the engagement rates, whenever they did a Hot Wheels promotion, were pretty much the highest engagement rates that they ever got. Because for you know a, a teenager or an adult, it's like super awesome to have Hot Wheels in a game that you love. And it kind of connects you back to that joy of when you were a child. But it was just about showing up in the right way for that platform. So that kind of culminated that three-year strategy And Forza saw those results. They actually invested a lot of their own money and did a whole uh, DLC pack that was like a Hot Wheels zone. It was like $14.99. And it got like a 90 on uh, Metacritic. Uh, It was their top performing bundle. So this was a great way to get other people to elevate the brand on their dime because the graphics were great, you know? And then, uh, so now we're at the point where we could self-publish our own games and we're doing that uh, with mobile games. Uh, where we got a ton of support from Apple because they've seen the engagement stats and those other things. And then uh, finally is the purpose-driven culture. So I talked a lot about the brand foundation and then the things that we did, but simultaneously to this, right at the kickoff, we really focused on our culture. Uh, and so these are images from uh, our office. Like this uh, top left one is literally right outside my office. So we did, we put a lot of effort into just showing all the great brand engagement things that we were doing outside of our toy line. We built a garage of legends display. We printed t-shirts and gave out t-shirts to everyone on the team every three months that were kind of uh, elevating how we thought of ourselves and our design. In our gallery, we built a museum quality timeline that told our story from the 60s all the way up to today. We put posters that talked about the challenger spirit all around the office. And then we even, we had a thing we call quarterly rallies where we get the whole team together and we share highlights and results. We created an award called the Hot Wheels Dreamers and Doers Award. And it was for the person on the team who kind of uh, embodied that daredevil creator spirit. And it could just be coming up with a new engineering process. It could be whatever. And we would give out this award and we built a trophy and they would come up and get the trophy. So that really reinforced the brand foundation and how we had to embody and behave in the way that we wanted the brand to show up. So now when we present the brand, 
we said before how, God, we want to be a multi-generational franchise. How do we get there? This is actually the slide that we put in front of the Walmart buyer and the Target buyer and the Amazon buyer and say, all right, here's how we're organizing our marketing initiatives around the brand. And then, of course, you know, depending on the audience, we go a lot deeper into toy and talk about everything we're doing there. You know, we talk about what we're doing for the gamers. And we also talk about what we're doing for the adult enthusiasts. Our collector business has doubled in the last couple of years. Um, there's a huge community of adults out there who collect Hot Wheels cars. And we even started doing live events. We have a best-in-class retail attainment event for Walmart, Hot Wheels Legends. We call it the world's largest traveling car show. And it's basically like people bring their custom cars. At each stop, we select one custom car. They all go to SEMA in Vegas. The grand prize winner actually gets their $100,000 custom car made into a $1 Hot Wheels. And it's literally the greatest honor in the world for those people for that to happen. It's like a dream come true. So it just shows how the brands come completely full circle to the point of even where this is the Walmart CEO washing someone's car. Uh, it was actually the store in Puerto Rico that sold the most Hot Wheels basic cars that year. And so to be a VPI means that it's one of, I think it might be the only one of two or three products for all of Walmart chain wide that the CEO says, this is a priority for us to drive volume on that. So in uh, two years ago, uh, in 2018, was our 50th anniversary. Uh, we won the Car Culture Award. Um, Hot Wheels was everywhere this year. So, so in summary, 20, 2019 was our biggest year ever. So that was our 51st year uh, as a brand. Hot Wheels was up uh, 14% globally. The category was down something like 3%. And that includes Hot Wheels as the, you know, the biggest brand in the, in the category. So kind of all this stuff comes together and it worked. Um, I'm pretty confident Hot Wheels is going to have another good year uh, this year. And that, that, that was the Hot Wheels story. Woo! Thank you, Jason. Come have a seat. First of all, great speech, great brand. I mean, I, I, we get asked all the time, uh, what are your favorite cult brands? Jason was at a brunch with us this morning. Everybody went around the table and said, what are your favorite cult brands? I don't know how you can watch any of this and not say Hot Wheels is one of my favorite cult brands. I mean, it really is. I don't think it's as top of mind, but what you have done is enviable for uh, anybody, uh, I think, that loves brands would look at that playbook and say, how can I now start stealing uh, elements of that? I wanted you, you just touched at the end on the live events part. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that, um, I don't know if your decision to take the money out of the movie was before or after Lego's success of their animated movie, but who, who do you look at? We've seen live event stuff go huge for the Red Bulls and the GoPros yeah. of the world. Um, Nerf has actually done some really interesting live event stuff. Are you, are you looking at some other brands and saying, look at how they've crossed that divide? Or are you guys just in a lab making this stuff up on your own? No, we definitely look at other brands. I mean, I would say the, the, we look at Lego, you know, we look at what are the other leading kind of brands within the toy category. Um, so that's uh, Lego, that's Nerf. Um, that's who we kind of say, okay, we need to compete with them from a macro cultural noise standpoint. Um, because the other thing that's interesting within toys, bring it down to that, is you also have the, the action figures, which is a big category for kids. And that's driven by major theatrical properties that have those huge marketing budgets. So it was really like, okay, let's look at some toy brands and let's figure out what they're doing. But let's also look at more like entertainment, cultural brands 
And how do we surround ourselves with more events and experiences and hopefully bring other people in so we could compete uh, kind of in cultural noise is the term that we use to think about that. Well, you explained earlier something, uh, not earlier today, but when we were doing the evaluation about you have a, a, a hierarchy of what will what cars will talk or not talk with right. Pixar, what right. brands will be the Batmobile versus the Hot Wheels. What, what, can you just elaborate on how you guys think about the vehicle category at large? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, so it's interesting for Hot Wheels. You know, Hot Wheels is all about the performance uh, and design. And it's a, it's a real art and a science to running the, the you know, the best-selling toy skew in the world. We do, within Hot Wheels, we do over a thousand new products a year. Um, so it's a, it's a real, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the word is. It's a real effort. <laughs> um, but in terms of how we think about it, yeah, it's like, you know, to be a Hot Wheels car, there's lots of things in the design that make Hot Wheels unique. Um, like the stance of the car, you know, like the, we, we take uh, reality and we make it better, I think is how we think of, of Hot Wheels. And you kind of change the stance of the car to make it look a little bit faster and a little bit more aggressive. So it's kind of like hyper real. Whereas I think when you think of Pixar cars, which is number two in the category, that's about imagination and storytelling. And then there's a ton of other brands that are like realistic, realistic. But I think that's what's so great about Hot Wheels is that it's flexible where you can make a car that's a replica of the new Tesla you could make a car that's an original, or you can make a car that's like a Dodge, a Dodge Camaro, but it's more souped up. And Hot Wheels has the permission to do all those things. And that's pretty unique because most other vehicle brands aren't that pliable. Uh, there's a question about this idea of being purpose-driven so that parents would be more excited about having their yeah. kids play. Elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, so I didn't go too deep into that. But you know what we kind of found, and when you say relative other brands, um, you know, there, there's toys, particularly when kids are younger in preschool, where they have like their selling proposition is developmental benefits. You know, your kid's going to learn how to count or numbers or shapes. Um, and then on the other end, you kind of have like, you know, Lego, where they don't tout like specific educational benefits, but parents view kind of building and construction as something that's good for your kid, right? Because they're- uh, Problem solving. Yeah, they're problem solving, right? And so what we thought for Hot Wheels is, all right, well, there are developmental benefits to the Hot Wheels play. We just have to articulate them in a way to uh, get parents to realize that. And then they would just have a kind of a stronger feeling for the brand overall and uh, want their kids to play with it more. And also more appreciate that when they are playing with it, that it is having a positive impact on them attitudinally. There's a couple of questions in here. Where in this, um, it's actually kind of fascinating because you guys were already wildly successful before you started this brand journey. Yeah. I don't know if you, do you consider it a rebrand journey or just a brand clarification exercise? That's a good question. I mean, um, yeah, I think we called it, we, we considered it a refinement. What's interesting is when we actually started the project, the, the, the mantra was uh, familiar is, is fail. And that was to kind of push us out of our comfort zone. And it was good for that. But we realized that that didn't make sense because we had a brand that had 98% uh, awareness, which we took for granted because that's all we knew. But mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that's huge brand equity. So the challenge was how do we take the brand equity that we have, but reposition it in a different way to accelerate ourselves for growth. So it was really the, the challenge was like, okay, how do we take what's great about Hot Wheels and reposition it to allow us to grow for the next 50 years to kind of future proof was the term 
uh, that my boss at the time used. So, so that's, how we thought so that's perfect. Then, so a couple of these questions deal with where in that exercise was the gender bias of should this be a boy's toy versus yeah. a girl's toy? And you obviously have the iconic girl's brain yeah. in the factory next to you with Barbie. But how do you guys do that balance? That's a really good question. And I would say it, it's evolved. You know, when we started thinking about it in 2015, you know, things are moving so quickly in that space in society. Um, when we started thinking about it in 2015, we weren't quite sure what to do. There was conversation, okay, do we need to do research? Do we need to come up with a girl's brand? Um, and, and what we found is that there's a lot of girls who like Hot Wheels. Uh, and we said, you know what, that's cool. Let's just make sure that Hot Wheels is that we talk about Hot Wheels for everyone, that we show it being for everyone. And if there's a girl who loves what Hot Wheels represents, which is that challenge accepted spirit, then awesome. We want her to be into it. So really tactically, what we ended up changing, which seems small, but it solved a lot of problems. We said in our traditional CPG targeting, we no longer said, you know, boys three to five for this or boys six to eight. We changed it to kids. And, and that, that almost kind of, you know, solved the problem overnight. And then we made sure that we featured girls in more of our creative, you know, like whether it be a boy and a girl together or life cycle, or life cycle uh, photography for e-com. And, uh, and we think that's the right strategy for us for now. I think we could do even more in terms of maybe engaging girls from a marketing standpoint. But I think, I th- to me, it's like it's almost sexist to say that we have to do a separate girls brand. It's like the brand's great. And if girls love it, awesome. What's the challenge of, I mean, not everybody, probably very few of us would manage a brand on this kind of global scale. Yeah. What are some of the things that you're most worried about? Is it the consistency aspect or the relevance in different countries or cultures? It's, it's consistency for me. Like I've, I've always said, because you, you, you raised an excellent point, which is, I mean, Hot Wheels is, was a powerful brand, right? Um, and I always said the hardest thing about managing Hot Wheels is managing Hot Wheels. So it's <laughs> meaning more like managing the internal team which is huge and getting us to do things consistently and making sure that both how we showed up from a graphic standpoint, how we showed up from a positioning standpoint, that things were consistent um, and executed so that when you experience the brands in different way, the sum is greater than the parts. And before we had that consistency, I, I don't think that was there. So that's why we focused so much on the brand foundation. And I went through it quickly because it's not beneficial for everyone to see all the words here. But what I would say, I know a lot, especially in this day and age with like digital optimization, that it's like, okay, get something out there. You can see how consumers react and then you'll adjust and go. We did not do that for the brand foundation. And I would not advocate that for a brand foundation for something the size of Hot Wheels. We made sure that every word in that brand foundation was perfect uh, and, and, you know, beat up every single word in every sentence and made sure that it all fit together perfectly, uh, that all of the pieces kind of made sense. And then we put a really big effort into like we did what we call roadshows. So you would fly to Mexico City and have an hour presentation to present the brand foundation directly to the entire you know, team. And we would do that globally. And then when everyone would fly into Mattel for our biannual like sales and marketing meetings, we always put the slides back in and always reinforce what the brand stands for, what the brand stands for. So it's just about driving consistency. Last question. Um you mentioned a little bit about uh, the the realism of these cars. I think when we were visiting you, you yeah. talked about real life automotive engineers want to work at Hot Wheels. Yeah. They might get stuck working on the the side mirror <laughs> of a real car, but they yeah. can design a whole car. What what are the things that you might think are innovative that either Mattel or Hot Wheels does that attracts top talent and makes people really uh, you know make sure you have the in house capabilities to do what you want to do? 
Well, this isn't innovative, but it's true. You know, being three quarters of a mile from the beach in LA helps. <laughs> so we should all relocate yeah. to LA. Okay. No. Uh, I mean, I think from a design standpoint, it, it's just it, we don't have to do much in that regard because it's it's just a dream job for a, a car designer because you do get to do all those designs. But what we do do is we're very heavily involved with a couple of the key design schools. Um, so there's Otis in LA and there's one in New York. Uh, and we have a lot of alumni. So we kind of make sure that we're really engaged and we're recruiting uh, the right young talent. Um, we have internship programs every summer. We're able to bring in a bunch of people. You were an intern there, weren't you? I was an intern, yeah. I interned right? between my first and second year of business school. Um, so we do that. And then, like I said, the culture stuff. Um, and that was something that was a big improvement that, uh, that we really drove that wasn't there before. As we said, if we're going to do this brand foundation, we have to live it and we have to constantly reinforce it internally. So that was a big thing that I think, like the slide where we say we're the number one selling toy in the world, uh, we had never done the work to figure that out before. And then when we did, I said, okay, this needs to go in every single presentation. Not, not in a bragging way, but it actually forces you to elevate your game, right? So if every presentation you're saying, we work on the number one selling toy in the world, A, it's good for morale, but B, that like forces everyone on the team to kind of elevate their game. So we do that. We spend a lot of time and effort on like quarterly rallies and communication, celebrating our successes. Um, and I think that kind of builds a culture where the culture of all the people on Hot Wheels, it really is that kind of daredevil creator. They take on any challenge. They're willing to work hard. And they're really, you know, progressive within the umbrella of a larger company. That's perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Horowitz with Hot Wheels. Thank you. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. I'm fascinated that Mattel created both Barbie and Hot Wheels. Those are just such both iconic brands, and listening to Jason speak only boosted my respect for Mattel. Clearly, you don't create products that remain that relevant and dominate their categories for decades without fostering a culture that produces excellence and attracts and retains top talent like Jason. As you consider all the new things Hot Wheels is trying, I hope you're thinking about your own job and your own company and questioning if you're pushing the envelope as much as you could or you should be. You know, Hot Wheels is great because of the way they strive to remain relentlessly relevant. No one there is resting on their laurels. They push and challenge the status quo and are constantly experimenting with how far and how fast they can take this brand. You know, one of my fears when bringing amazing speakers like Jason and amazing brands like Hot Wheels to the gathering is that the audience will just, you know, sort of fanboy out and they're going to turn off the part of their brains where they are critical and they do a self-assessment, you know, rather than just revel in the awesomeness of the case studies that are being shared. You know, our real intention is for the audience to use these cult brand examples to elevate our entire industry. 
I want people to listen to Jason and not just celebrate his success, but figure out how to best apply the principles that he's talking about. I know no one else in the audience, you know, is in the die cast toy car business, but many of the tips and tricks that work for Hot Wheels can work for any industry or any company trying to become more innovative. So please subscribe to this entire podcast series. Please also attend the gathering of cult brands that we hold each spring. Bring your teams, bring your agencies, or bring your boss and task yourself with writing down and discussing all of the things that you hear that can be applied to your business to make your job, your department, or even your company a whole lot better. Until next time. Once again, this is your host, Chris Neeland, and you've been listening to Cult Brand Secrets, where we explore the great speakers and insights shared at the gathering a Forbes top-rated business summit. Learn more about the gathering at cultgathering.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and review us on your podcast app. It really helps. Cult Brand Secrets is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Learn more about our podcasts at evergreenpodcast.com. Special thanks to Connor Standish and Laura Winter for their assistance in making this podcast possible. Also, I'd like to thank our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, as well as executive producers, David Moss and Bridget Coyne. I'm your host, Chris Nealon. Thanks for listening. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.